0: Workforce Health Engagement Episode 11, Workplace Clinics, How to Implement and Promote Them to Increase Health Engagement and Reduce Costs, featuring Joe Ellis from CBiz. Welcome to Workforce Health Engagement, a show exploring strategies to improve your employees' health and productivity and to protect your bottom line. Join us as industry experts discuss how to engage employees in population health management, wellness, and healthcare consumerism. This is a special series by the producers of the top-rated podcast, Engaging Leader. And now, with 20 years of experience as a communication consultant to Fortune 500 companies, helping engage hundreds of thousands of employees, here's your host, Jesse Leahy. Welcome to the show, Engagers. On-site health clinics are a growing trend to help employers have more control over their health care spending, to make sure they're spending money just not on sick care, if you will, but actually treating all the health care issues that will come up with employees. In this growing trend, large and now even mid-sized and smaller companies have been opening their own worksite clinics both in an effort to manage medical costs, but also to more conveniently serve their employees. Joe Ellis is Senior Vice President at CBiz, one of the leading professional service firms in the US with more than 200 offices spread around 33 states. Joe works with businesses to create and manage employee benefit plans. And he's here today to talk to me about how to implement and promote workplace clinics. Joe Ellis, welcome to Workforce Health Engagement.
1: Thank you, Jesse. Good to be here.
0: Joe, what are the biggest reasons an employer would want to consider providing an on-site clinic?
1: Jesse, I think uh, there's a couple different perspectives. You, you point out correctly that there's two constituents. One is the employer, the other is employee. From the employer's perspective, it's a couple things. One is is high quality medical care another is access to high quality care and it's keeping the cost down keeping the costs as low as it can possibly be from the employees standpoint there's lots of issues part of it is access again some of it is cost savings by getting uh, local delivery of service can't get very much more local than your own workplace and it really helps in any kind of wellness and get more healthy initiatives that an employer is sponsoring.
0: So one of the ways that the the cost management happens is I guess simply because the employer is providing healthcare at more of a wholesale basis as opposed to a retail basis where you're serving people at a, a lower cost of entry into the healthcare system by doing it at a clinic as opposed to where employees and patients just go directly to a hospital and maybe jump in at a much higher expense uh, expense level
1: definitely and there's one fundamental difference with an on-site clinic most on-site health clinics are run by employers that are self-insured so when the employee goes out and has a claim uh, regardless of where the facility or provider is they're going to pay whatever the agreed to fee is when you go to an on site health clinic model, the employer is in essence prepaying for that health care. So if they're staffing the clinic with a clinician, they're paying the clinician whether anybody sees them or not. And no matter how many employees come and visit with the clinician in the clinic, that clinician is going to both diagnose and prescribe. And just as they would in any doctor's office or with a nurse practitioner or physician's assistant. And all of that care has been paid for in advance in the monthly fee that was paid to the clinic operator. So the employer is not actually operating the clinic with their own staff. It's all outsourced to a third party. Part of that is because of the prohibition from the corporate practice of medicine. And the other issue is that most employers don't have that kind of expertise. So they hire a third party, and they prepay on a monthly basis for the staffing and the costs. So actually, when the employee goes to the clinic, there isn't any additional cost, and it actually doesn't go through the employer health plan, uh, which is why a lot of insurance companies are really interested in the clinic model, because essentially, the employer is paying a preset fee for those services that they'll eventually deliver.
0: Well, and that's an interesting opportunity to control costs. I have to say that the the clients that I have that have implemented on-site clinics, I think that um, cost management um, scenario is something that was interesting to them. But the the number one driver for them was the promise, if you will, or opportunity to help employees get diagnoses and treatments sooner where they were having too many cases of large catastrophic events, a heart attack or a stroke or something that could have been, or, or a, a cancer that got really far down the, the path. And if they, if they could have helped people get treatment sooner, um, there was a, they could save a lot of money. And I think that was probably the number one driver. Is that fairly common?
1: It, it is fairly common. And Uh, An on-site health clinic is a really great aspect of a fully developed, integrated wellness program, wellness and risk management program. And what you point out is doing the diagnoses of the client to figure out what are the risk factors that exist on campus for them. When you do uh, biometric screenings, You get a certain percentage of employees that will do them. You could do them on site. You could do them at their own doctor's office. Um, Having the clinic really makes it convenient for people to get biometric screenings done. When those screenings are done, you can aggregate the information and you can figure out what the risk profile of of the employer is. Once you compare that data with claim data and drug usage data, you can then identify Not only what the high risk factors are and how many people have certain numbers of risk factors, but you can also identify who they are. And then you, uh, not the employer, but you outsource that to a third party who can then reach out to those employees who have those risk factors. I mean, I can't tell you how many times people have been sent from an employer work site to the hospital because their blood pressure is off the charts and they don't even know it. And they've been working with the same blood pressure for weeks and weeks. So the ability to access that kind of data at the employee level is made so much easier with the on-site clinic because they're there all the time. One of the other issues with the clinic is for many employees, especially employees who are men and middle-aged who haven't seen a doctor in a long time, part of what we want to do is get them to be used to seeing a primary care doc, and the clinic in many cases serves as the primary care doc for employees that otherwise would not have, uh, not be seeing a physician or a, a practitioner to your point, all the, you know, if there was a regular visit by employees once, twice a year, those sorts of cancers, heart disease, uh, those sorts of things would be surfaced a whole lot faster.
0: Yeah. you Talking about certain segments of the population that just wouldn't be going to the doctor almost ever if it if they weren't if you didn't have this very convenient on-site clinic, and uh, especially after a while where that stigma gets removed, because um, a lot of guys just don't feel like it's part of. It's appropriate for them to go to a doctor that it, it, maybe they feel weak uh, for doing that kind of thing. But over time, that that can wear down. And I guess another interesting reason for having an on-site clinic, and I've heard my clients express surprise at this because it was not one of their first reasons. It, it came out over time, and that is that after employees get used to this clinic being there, the trust level in the employer grows especially when the the clinicians are in, integrated a bit they're still third party third party entity but when the employer has opportunities for the clinicians to come and make presentations to the workforce there gets to be a trust level that wow this is a we're working in a special place that cares about us as individuals and actually wants us to be healthy and be happier as people, and so that we've got uh, you know this nurse practitioner or this nurse or this doctor here that knows me my, my, by name. I'm not just going off to some big box store and getting served by whoever happens to be there that day.
1: Great point, and we take a great amount of care, uh, and you need to take a great amount of care in selecting and interviewing who the. Clinicians are going to be and making sure that there's in it, it, to your point it, You've got to make sure that that person is going to be there for the foreseeable future so that those relationships can develop and you will You know in in the old days in Factories really it was a work site clinic, but it was much more oriented toward safety in the workplace for working working conditions and it was to mitigate workers comp claims you are going to do that as well with the on-site clinic. So from a property, you know, from a workers' comp standpoint, the on-site clinic, make, clinic is just, it makes all the sense in the world because, for, ex- for example, uh, you could have the on-site clinic doing pre-employment physicals. And in a pre-employment physical, you could check for range of motion, particularly where you have a, a company that has physical jobs to it. And what you do is... Um, You begin to be able to see possible claims before they emerge, and you get to help prevent the claims. Uh, You get to do safety classes. You get to do lots of things. All of these are deepening the relationship within the company of this practitioner with the employees, raising the trust level to the point where they're just as much a part of the team, even though they don't work technically for that employer. They work for the clinic operator, but they're, they're a part of the team that work just like anybody else.
0: Yeah. It, and over time, it becomes this one key part of an overall culture of health that a lot of companies are, are really trying to create. So if those are some of the biggest reasons for an on-site clinic, what are the downsides or risks for the employer?
1: I think a lot of it is perception how you frame the message uh, we you know it, with any wellness program you've got to be careful about how the message is, is sent out and how it's received and is it too intrusive I did a blog about worksite wellness programs and are they an invasion of privacy or is it a really good risk management tool and you know some people look at it as an invasion of privacy, and on the other hand, the employer is picking up the lion's share of the tab. so they they do have, by some folks' opinion, they do have the right to be engaged in how that money is spent. Other than that, there are uh, a lot of employers, again, the perception is that employers are going to take on a lot more liability and especially medical liability uh, than than they might otherwise want or need, and rea- in reality, they're not. The The clinic operators are assuming all of the medical malpractice issues and risks, and, and then it's, you know, what's the relationship between your workforce and the employer and management, and will they see it as the great benefit that it is, or are they going to see it as you're trying to tell me what to do even more? There really aren't impressions of why it won't work. One of the methods that I use when I'm working with clients is I will lay out a sheet of paper and I will say, okay, here's where we are today. And here's where we want to be in one, two, three years. And we get fairly specific with where they want to be. And then what I like to do is lay out all of the reasons why it will not work. And what that does is it surfaces lots of really interesting, well, it won't work because employees will hate it. It won't work because uh, senior management will reject it. It won't work because, and we get all of those issues, and then we come up with strategies to deal with the issues. As soon as you get all of the issues out of, off the table, some are technological, some are perception, some are employee relations. Once you deal with those and have a plan, it'll turn into a pretty successful uh, operation.
0: You mentioned earlier, Joe, that these clinics, the employer is paying for it up front, whether it gets used or not. And I've seen some companies take sort of a, if you build it, they will come mentality and then be surprised when, whether it's a clinic or I've also seen like a different telemedicine, you know, 800 dial-a-nurse or or dial-a-doc programs that the company is, is paying to provide and then employees don't use it enough. So do you, do you tend to see that um, can utilization be slow at first and, and uh, what sorts of things do you need to do to make sure that employees are more likely to use the clinic?
1: Really good uh, observation. There's a, there's a few ways that we go about that. Number one is we always begin with a feasibility study because we don't want to make the assumption that it will work in every instance. In some places it might not work. Uh, if you have poor employee relations, low engagement in, in the workplace in a variety of ways, um, the likelihood is it won't work as well as if you have high engagement. That's sort of intuitive. But one of the things we do is, is interview and do surveys of all of the stakeholders who will be involved. So bef- uh, as part of our feasibility study, yes, there is a financial aspect to the feasibility study, but it's also who are the stakeholders and let's talk to them and interview them or survey them and get their feelings about certain things, about usage. So, you know, we, we want to, uh, human resources clearly as a stakeholder, finance is a stakeholder, the CEO is a stakeholder, and also the employees are stakeholders. So we would do an employee survey or uh, uh, we would section off certain parts of the population and, and have you know, a survey done of those folks so that we get an idea of, no, we're doing two things. One is we're pre-communicating what we're thinking about. And the second, th- which is really planting the seed uh, and getting people to think and talk about it. Uh, and then we're looking at the finances and trying to see whether or not this really makes, makes some sense. The other thing we're doing is we're trying to assess the scope of services. So do you want to have it just diagnostics, just office visits, checkups, that sort of thing? Do you want to have uh, an on-site pharmacy in addition? The clinician will have the, typically has a legal ability to dispense a prescription. That is to fill up, you know, to write a prescription. And the question is, do you want that prescription to be available on-site at the workplace? So that's, one of the issues. So also, you know, what's the governance structure of the, of the clinic? And this feasibility study will be pretty complete in dealing with all of the stakeholders and also predicting what the usage of it will be. What are the services that the clinic will believe will be most utilized? And what are, if we carve those services out of the health plan, meaning you begin to make assumptions about reductions in outside services because people are going to the clinic instead of outside. What is, what's the impact of that? At the end of that feasibility study, we'll either have a thumbs up or a thumbs down. It'll, it'll either be, we, we don't think this will work, and here are the following reasons. And we'll tell you that, if, that it should return a positive ROI, if not the first year. By the end of the second year, you should have a positive ROI, meaning that uh, the amount of money that you're spending on the clinic is less than the amount of money that you're saving from health plan costs. That gets into an interesting discussion, but an example might be that uh, you're trending every year at 9% increase in health care expenditures, and you put the clinic in, and all of a sudden your trend increases, goes to 2% per year. Well, you know that the there's about a seven percent ROI. That can be a lot of money.
0: Yeah, I've seen clients who've reported that after putting a in a clinic and after the first couple of years, they will see their primary care expenses go up for the health plan because it's generating that level of of uh, care. And also often the prescription drug expense might go up because you're prescribing things like um, statins and and other medications that can treat things sooner and in less invasive ways. But the hospitalization costs uh, have come down dramatically. So it's like investing, depending on the size of employer, you're investing hundreds of thousands of dollars and maybe uh, saving millions of dollars.
1: Well, that's, that's a funny thing, you bring it up, because you're exactly right. In the first year, what you're doing is you're telling everybody, we want to see you. We want you to come in and have some testing done. And invariably, you're going to find employees that didn't otherwise seek services who now are. They're going to seek prescriptions that they might not have otherwise. And, and you're right. You will see a spike in the first year or so of, in preventive services and in maintenance drugs and in various treatments. You know, you might see some more uh, preventive diagnostics being done, but you're right. It's all in an effort to make the employer have a much healthier overall workforce. You know, you can do scorecards of employer populations, and you can do a scorecard before and after, and you might do it as, as you're doing the feasibility study, do a look at what the risk factors are to the extent that you know um and And from there, take a look at the end of the first year and the end of the second year and let 's look at where the money has been spent and invariably you 'll find that the more heavy duty costs are much more under management now, which is the hospitalizations and you know the heavy diagnostic testing and you know it'll level out, and ultimately it'll be a savings clinics wouldn't be doing as well as they are if if there weren't significant amounts of money that you could be saving. And that's, and I, I put that in terms of clinics, but it's also in terms of overall wellness efforts. I see a lot of skeptics about wellness. I can introduce you to our CFO who will tell you that over a five-year period from 2004 to 2008, the CBiz wellness program that we have for our own employees saved the company $12 million. Because we ran at an annual inflation rate on our plan of 1.7%, yet national surveys were saying that the average trend was 7.5%. So he didn't take him long to figure out that there was, there was a significant amount of savings. And the only thing that changed in our benefit plan was the addition of a, of a, a broad-based, a fairly aggressive wellness plan.
0: <laughs> wow. What type of medical staff are you typically putting in at these on-site clinics?
1: On-site clinics will have uh, the requirement that you want to have is that the person can diagnose and they can prescribe. And depending on the state, physicians can do it clearly, but physicians are the most expensive. Um, You might have uh, a clinic where it's staffed with nurse practitioners or physician's assistants in many states both have the ability to diagnose and prescribe you might have those two categories as clinicians with oversight of a physician and then you might have a large law firm with 5 or 600 people in one office building and you know they may want to have a doctor there on site and that's all about how much do you want to spend in staffing costs so those are essentially the categories You can put in uh, physical therapists if you're going to do some physical therapy uh, it, it would have to be a pretty big operation, but you could put in a pharmacist who would who would be helping employees manage their prescription needs so it's for the most part it's it's a uh, you know you could have nurses, but what you want to do is able to help people figure out what it is that they have and what can they do about it and walk out with a prescription, be it a prescription for physical therapy, a prescription for a diagnostic test, or a prescription for a pharmaceutical.
0: You mentioned third parties. So these practitioners are employees of some third party. What kinds of organizations are those?
1: Well, there's one clinic operator who's fairly big, uh, and they are really big into the medical records business. That was their uh, claim to fame. I mean, that was really what they're, they were more techies who were helping hospitals do all the management of the systems within the hospitals, especially medical, electronic medical records. Uh, there's other companies who are wellness companies that morph into this because it makes all the sense in the world. And it's just a, an, another outgrowth of a, an integrated wellness plan. Uh, there are some companies that pop up that we've done business with who are simply there to operate clinics and that's all they do. So there, you know, you get the freestanding, you have others where it's integrated with uh, a wellness program and the wellness piece starts first And then you have others that are in the medical business. And then uh, Cigna, Aetna, uh, and other uh, large insurance companies are getting into the business of health clinics. So there's really a variety of ways. Depends on the individual client as to what's the best fit.
0: And what's CBiz's role in making that happen?
1: CBiz acts as the consultant on the project as we are explaining the project And the idea, the concept, all the way from concept to implementation. And we'll work with an employer to help them understand what is it, what is an on-site health clinic and how does it work and what's the advantages and what are the downsides. Uh, We'll then help work through a feasibility study. If the feasibility study says this is a good idea, uh, we will then survey the marketplace of 15 or 20 different health clinic operators might be any one of those models that I just mentioned. And we'll do an RFP out to that world. They all come back and we, we put together a report interview, the several best fit for, uh, that employer and then interview them with the employer and come to some conclusion as to who we want to work with from there. Uh, is the you know next is implementation and then the implementation is helping negotiate the contract with the provider integrating the benefits into it because we have such a strong history of employee benefit consulting and this is another employee benefit that we're offering what we try to do is integrate that so that plan design integrates the clinic into it so that there's incentives to use the clinic. For example, you might have a a $20 copay at a primary care doctor, but you might have a zero copay at the health clinic, or you might be a $5, or there's an incentives that you want to build in. Um, And then we're working with the employer on compliance and regulatory issues, just as we do with uh, any of the, the health plans and benefit plans that we're working on. And then from there, now we've got it up and running. A a really critical piece is that we don't leave town once it's up and running. We're there to monitor it. On a, we're looking at quarterly dashboards. We're looking at um, survey. we're, We're doing surveys of client satisfaction, of employee satisfaction, and we're really there to help benchmark that clinic with other clinics to make sure that they're getting the maximum usage maximum result, that it actually is having an impact on bending that cost curve from some place that it was headed, with which the employer had very little to do, and now the employer is actively engaged in helping manage that cost curve to bend it as much as they can. And, you know, what are the trends that are happening in that world? What are the regulatory, what does the Affordable Care Act, how does that impact health clinics. So there's lots of different ways, but I think it's, it's, a lo- it's an ongoing commitment from the employer and CBiz to work together. And we both have the same interest in mind.
0: Joe, how large does a company need to be for workplace clinics to make sense financially, both as far as overall company size, but when you get down to how, how many employees at a given location should be there?
1: In order for an on-site health clinic to work best, we're looking to have at least 400 employees in a particular location. We've seen clinics that have fewer, um, but the staffing is the issue. And um, But about 400, 500 employees, you begin to get critical mass. When you get to 1,000, for sure, most of the um, – I mean, the trend that we're seeing is – Health clinics have been around for years and years and years, for decades, and they have all been focused in very large employers, especially manufacturing. Uh, It's moving away from that, like all things in the benefit world. uh, It starts with the very largest, and then it works its way down to the 5,000 employees and the 2,500 and down to 1,000, and uh, we're making it work with, you know, 500 and a little bit less than 500 employees uh, because partly because you can have such an impact on what the client costs are. And that, you know, the fact that the client costs are so high um, just means that there's a lot more money at stake. And our role is to try and help the employer maximize whatever the clinic can do. 400 employees and I would, I would definitely um, not shy away from uh, service industries and from service providers. Law firms, uh, believe it or not, are really good prospects uh, for on site health clinics. And, and th- the only dynamic that changes is that if you have an attorney who's billing out at $385 an hour or more. And they need to take a half a day off to get some medical attention for something when, in fact, they could go down a couple floors or down a couple hallways and get access to care. Uh, I think that's one of uh, that's a productivity issue, and that's real live productivity, where at 385 dollars an hour or more, a half a day versus a half an hour is the dynamic.
0: Joe, where can people find out more about the on-site clinics and about you and your work?
1: Well, there's a couple ways to find out about me. Uh, you can find me on the CBiz web page, which is uh, cbiz.com. You could uh, find a couple. There's a blog site where I've got a couple of articles up, and it's um, called "It's the CBiz Human Capitalizing. And... The website for that is CBiz. I'm sorry, the website for that is blog.cbiz.com. CBiz CBiz is C B I Z. And you can find me on LinkedIn um, as Joe Ellis, just plain old Joe Ellis and uh, CBiz in the the, uh, greater Philadelphia area. And my Twitter, is at J Ellis Sr. That's J E L L I S S R. And then uh, anybody can email me directly. I'm a pretty affable guy at uh, Ellis at cbiz.com.
0: Excellent. Joe Ellis is Senior Vice President at cbiz. Joe, thanks for joining us on Workforce Health Engagement.
1: My pleasure. Thank you.
0: All right, Engagers, that wraps up this episode. We'll provide the information and links that Joe Ellis mentioned on our show notes for this episode. You can find those show notes at engagingleader.com forward slash W-H-E 11, as in Workforce Health Engagement Episode 11. And while you're on the show notes page, you can engage with us by providing your thoughts or questions in the comments section or by clicking the red Send Voicemail button. You can also engage with us at facebook.com forward slash or on Twitter, where I am at Jesse Leahy. Workforce health engagement is a production of Aspendale Communications, a consulting firm that specializes in workforce communications. It's where my colleagues and I help mid size and large employers attract top talent, engage employees, and deliver superior business results in several areas, not only health engagement but also talent management, benefits and compensation, business transformation, and more. Find us at AspendaleCommunications.com. If you enjoy this series, be sure to check out the leadership podcast, Engaging Leader, where my guests and I share ways to communicate, engage, and lead with greater impact. You can find both Workforce Health Engagement and Engaging Leader podcasts in iTunes, Stitcher, and on our website at engagingleader.com. Our thanks to Joe Sherwood, our producer, Tom Hitchcock, our programming director, Cecily Leahy, our web intern, Rick Tarrant, our announcer, and Max Brody, who composed our theme music. Until next time, remember, over the long term, a program of the day won't help you boost employee health, productivity, and your bottom line. For sustainable success, you need an integrated approach to workforce health engagement.